Sermon title this day, Tis the Season. Tis the Season. Please pray with me. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Come in to our hearts, shine your light into the midst of our darkness. Come to our church, come to our community, come to our world. And bring what only you can, Jesus. Bring peace. Bring forgiveness. Bring grace. Bring faith. As we wait to celebrate your birth again in just a few days, make our hearts ready. Prepare them that you yourself may enter in. And send your Holy Spirit now to enter in. That as we hear your word, we would believe it. And that by believing it, we would become doers of it. Jesus, we pray in your perfect and holy name. Amen. All right, we're going to do a small little game here this morning. So we're going to play fill in the song lyric. See how good your Christmas song knowledge is. So let's start with this one. Tis the season to be? Deck the halls of puzzle. No, just kidding. Not that one. Blank to the world. Have a holly Christmas. Good. And we're going to sing this one after the sermon. But there's two words. And then Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. It's a little bit trickier. Somebody's saying it. Rejoice, rejoice. Good job, Lori. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. I was trying to think this morning, what sad Christmas songs are there? There's like none, right? Yeah, that's the only one, right? I want to buy these shoes, right? <laughs> I make fun of that song, but I'm, I cried like a baby when I watched the movie. But that's like the only real sad Christmas song that there is, isn't it? I mean, most of them, 90 plus percent of Christmas songs, are all holly, jolly, ho, 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 merry Christmas, happy-go-lucky sort of songs, right? It's hard when you feel like this guy to listen to Christmas music, right? It's hard to match what he's feeling, what you might be feeling, with what you hear on the radio, what you hear on your phone. Because Christmas is now only eight days away. Christmas Eve is seven days away. And so if you're not already there, let me maybe put some pressure on you. There still maybe are gifts to be bought. I know there are in my life. I still have a sermon to write that I'm beginning to wonder, I don't know, is it going to be good enough for Christmas Eve or not, for all those people who aren't here all the time? Is it going to preach the good news to them clearly enough? Do I have all the visits done that I need to make before the Christmas break? And just last couple of weeks ago, there were 22 people, 22 people that were on our prayer list that needed help, that needed healing, that weren't feeling joyous. And oh, yeah, I should probably stop sometime, right? And maybe prepare my own heart to be ready for Jesus to come. If I had to be honest with you, I wouldn't necessarily list the word joy at the top five list of things that I'm experiencing right now in this season. And I imagine, in fact, I know you've told me that I'm not alone in that either. 
See, there are countless reasons, there are countless things that can make us feel like the Christmas spirit isn't just cutting it for us anymore. Whether it is those same ten songs that you hear on the radio over and over and over again, or whether it's those people who ring the bells that were a nice reminder at the start of the year to be generous, but now are just loud and an annoying voice in your face. But there's a lot deeper things, too, that could cause us to be like the person in this picture. Maybe, for you, maybe it's just a small list of things that keep building up on top of each other, and so now that sort of fake Christmas smile that you have to put on your face because you don't want to be a Scrooge is beginning to put harder and harder. It's going to drop, dropping a little bit more and more each day. Maybe, maybe there's a new diagnosis in your family. Maybe someone's just received a serious illness. And so you're beginning to wonder, what does Christmas even look like this year or maybe next year? Maybe there's broken relationships in your family. And so you are dreading, you're dreading your Christmas gathering because you know it's going to be anything but joyful. Or maybe... This Christmas is the first or just another Christmas where you are always reminded that your loved one is not here anymore. Oftentimes, we approach Christmas Day and we feel anything but the joy that those songs we hear all the time talk about. And you know, just as well as I do, That no more amount of different Christmas songs, you know, no amount of holiday parties, no amount of gifts, no amount of nice eggnog drinks is going to make you feel any better either. It's not going to give you what you need. But the problem maybe goes from bad to worse when you come here on Sunday morning and you say, well, I'm going to go to church this week. I need to be there. I need to be encouraged. I need to hear a word of good news for me. But then you hear this reading from Paul. He says to you, he lists, if you will, these commands. These are not suggestions. These are not, here's some things I think it would be good for you to do. These are commands. It is do this thing. He says to you, rejoice, pray, give thanks in all circumstances. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not do any evil. And on and on and on it goes. And so we hear these words in the context of the Christmas season. And we think, the mistake we make is we think that Paul is saying, look, you need to just be merry. You need to just be happy. You need to be less of a Scrooge. But when we do that, we miss what Paul is inviting us to. We miss where he is trying to lead us to a much, much deeper place to find the ability to be joyful, to pray, to give thanks in all circumstances. One of my pastor friends, whenever he meets with a family who he's going to baptize their children, he always asks him this question. He asks them, what do you want your child to be like when they are 30 years old? 
As a 30-year-old, I'm very tempted to ask my parents, well, did I turn out okay? <laughs> now, the point of the question, of course, is not to get them to try and see the future, right? We all know that we can't do that. But the point of the question is to get them to take a step back, to zoom out, if you will, and see that what God does in baptism is a really big thing, but it's just one thing on a lifelong process of following after Jesus. Here's another example for you. Let's say that our goal in life was to make our child a Steelers fan, a Vikings fan. We can debate whether or not that's a good idea, but let's set that aside for now. So let's say that's our goal. What are we going to do? We're going to take them and make them sit in that couch, in that chair, and they are going to watch every single Steelers game from start to finish, right? Maybe someday we'll take them to a Steelers game. We might even buy them Steelers gear. We might teach them the history of the good old days, tell them how many Super Bowl rings they have, the years they were won, some of the best players that we have, all of those sort of things to shape them and to make them be a particular person. See, the same thing is true for our lives of faith. If our goal is to make our children to be followers of Jesus, we're going to do particular things. We're going to take them to worship. We're going to do devotions with them. We're going to teach them how to pray. We're going to show them what it means to give of what they have. We're going to be hospitable. We're going to love those who aren't loved by others. We are going to do countless, countless things, all orienting our lives around Jesus and what he calls us to do. Because we have a particular thing in mind. Now here's the key. We do that, but your heavenly Father has done it and still does it even more. Because the key to understanding how these words of Paul are not just a bigger weight to carry around during the Christmas season, but are actually an invitation to have real, deep, meaningful joy, is the phrase, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Because see, what we are about to celebrate in just one week is that God has not just said, hey, be joyful, hey, pray all the time, hey, give thanks all the time, and then given you a kick in the pants and said, go do it. No. God has told you these things, but then he's given you reasons to do them. Just like a parent does particular things so that their child does this, You, as God's child, have experienced, has been given gifts by him so that you can do these things. See, God wants you to rejoice always. And so he's given you Jesus, who knows what it is like to have high highs and low lows, so that you know your Savior knows what you are going through. He's given you Jesus so that then you can know that in him there is peace beyond all circumstance. He's given you Jesus so that you can rejoice always. But it doesn't stop there. See, God wants you to pray always too. And so he's given to you Jesus so that you don't have to go around, you don't have to do a nice dance, you don't have to spin around four times, jump up twice, and then you get to pray. No, you can go right to your Father in heaven today, right now, because of Jesus. He wants you to pray, and so he's given to you the Holy Spirit 
so that when you are so overwhelmed, when you feel anything but joy, when you have no words to speak at all, the Holy Spirit intercedes and prays for you on your behalf to the Father. Because he wants you to pray to him. But it doesn't stop there either. See, God wants you to be able to give thanks in all circumstances too. And so again, he sent Jesus, who is our high priest, who is able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. He wants us to be able to give thanks in all circumstances. So he sent Jesus to live, to die, to rise again, so that every single thing that you face, every single battle, every single difficulty you have, you can know with confidence that Jesus has defeated and conquered it all. And so then you can say, I can give Thanks, because I know Jesus has won. Jesus has beaten this very thing, and I know there will be a day in time that he will come back to set everything right again. See, your Father in heaven loves you so much that he wants you to always rejoice, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances. But he's done. And he's given to you all that you need to do that. And so as we come forward towards Christmas Day, as we look forward to just the next week, it doesn't matter whether you are full of holly and jolly and ho-ho-ho, or if you're the exact opposite. If this is the most difficult time of year for you, Paul offers to you, he offers to you Jesus. And he offers to you a reason to rejoice, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in all circumstances. So that then we can sing, Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to you, you, on Christmas Day. In Jesus' name, amen.